deep pattern. Downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is early hours, Saturday morning. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're going to recap the second night of the NFL Draft. The Dolphins add tight end Hunter Long, offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg, and safety Javon Holland. We're going to break down the games of all of those guys, tell you how they fit in their respective position groups and what it means for the rest of the roster. We're also going to get to the night one media with Chris Greer and Brian Flores and Jalen Waddell and Jalen Phillips, and we'll go ahead and take a look at the best remaining on day three, with the Dolphins having three more picks to go in this year's draft. All of that and more on this special Night 2 2021 NFL Draft edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we're going to get to the player selected tonight by the Miami Dolphins here in just one moment. But first, I want to go back and cover the media availabilities from Chris Greer and Brian Flores, but also Jalen Waddell and Jalen Phillips from night one. Some really cool comments in there from both the players as well as the head coach and the general manager, Chris Greer. And we're going to go ahead and get to the very first question posed to these two men on Thursday night talking about Jalen Waddell. Let's go ahead and hear the audio here from Chris Greer on what they saw in Jalen Waddell. We've watched him over the years. He's been a, a dynamic, explosive player. Uh, even from his you know freshman year there, he just flashed and he saw stuff. And, and I think uh, this season demonstrated the type of player. And even last season, he's, he's contributed there every year. He's... Um, we love his athletic ability, his run after catch, obviously the speed, uh, but it's also his toughness. He's a very competitive kid. Uh, he loves ball. It's important to him. I think you guys see how he plays. He plays with passion and energy. And so as Brian and I and the coaches and scouts were going through it, um, this guy has been someone that's caught our eye. And it's not just this year. This is someone that uh, we've had, had, our, had our eye on uh, for the last uh, couple of years just watching and so that was the general manager, Chris Greer, talking about the addition of Jalen Waddell. Let's go ahead and go next here to Brian Flores, Miami Dolphins head coach. Uh, you know, obviously we watched a lot of Tua last year. In doing that, you know, we, we saw, you know, really all the players at Alabama. And, you know, Waddell was somebody who definitely stood out um, as a receiver, as a returner, um, just a, a really good player. And then getting to know him was that, that kind of, uh, I would say, confirmed a lot of the uh, – uh, things we had heard, and then uh, we just think he's a, uh, a very, very, very good player, good person, and somebody who fit our, our, our locker room. I really like that bit there, especially from both Coach and Chris, about how they had been watching Tua for a couple of years, and in doing so, Jalen Waddle kind of catches your eye. Because when I watch tape, a lot of the times the players that I fall in love with the most are guys that happen to come by accident. Like, my favorite one of all time was watching Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt a few years back and Alvin Kamara just going ham on that Vanderbilt defense at Tennessee. Like, it, that's that's a great sign if a player stands out when you're watching somebody else. They touch on that there. I also, they were asked later on in the press conference a similar question regarding both Pitts and Chase being off the board, and they mentioned they had been watching Waddle for a couple of years and really being on him and honing in on him. There was a follow-up question to this first one here about Jalen Waddle asking about how much it meant to them 
as an organization that Waddle came back for the national championship game this year after breaking his ankle in week five for the Crimson Tide and coming back in the same season to play in that game, even though, as you saw in that game, he was not 100%, but he came back and played with his teammates. Here's what Coach and Chris had to say about Waddle's toughness and what that meant to them in that game. You know, I think it's, yeah, it just, again, shows the character and how important football is to him. You know, like you said, a lot of players would have opted not to play and risk injury, uh, but he wanted to be with his teammates and worked hard to rehab and get back and be out there and contribute. And uh, so for us, it just, uh, as we got to know him, as Brian said, it, it just yeah, kind of completed the picture. Uh, even really, it's not to get to, uh, before we even really knew him, uh, just to say, like, this is the type of kid that loves ball and it would fit our culture. And we're going to be able to further prove that here later on when we get when we hear from Jalen Waddle at his media availability. Up next for Chris Greer here, he was asked about Jalen Phillips's love for the game and what attracted the Dolphins to that player at number eighteen. Well, you know, Brian, myself, the coaches, the scouts, we spent a lot of time uh, through the pre-draft process getting to know him. And I think the one thing when you watch him play you would never question his passion and effort and stuff because he, he plays 100 miles an hour and uh, he's got a tremendous motor and, and effort. And you can tell football is very important to him. And I think like any person, um, when you're that young going into college and, and doing stuff and, you know, maybe, hit, you know, a little bit of adversity there, uh, I think it's just maturing and growing. And, you know, and so uh, I think, you know, watching him over his career, you know, is a, you know, one of the top players in the country in high school and and just watching his growth over the last few years that we got to know him, we felt very comfortable with it. And, and on film, there's no doubt that this guy loves football. And uh, so we're very excited to add him. I love hearing Chris talk there about the, the motor that stands out on his tape and how if you watch his tape, you never question his love for the game. And that's spot on because there's a clip I'm going to share in the written piece on Jalen Phillips up on MiamiDolphins.com here in a couple of days, or I'm not sure when it's going to be, but it'll be out there soon, where he chases down Trevor Lawrence from behind. And we've seen Lawrence run away from safeties before, you know, in that big playoff game a couple of years ago, like a 50-yard touchdown run, whatever it might have been. But Phillips ran him down from the backside. He retraces so well and has that relentless motor that way. So love that comment there from Chris Greer. And we're going to jump ahead here in the press conference and go back to the Dolphins' first pick on Thursday night, number six overall, Jalen Waddell. They were asked about why they would take Waddell over Devontae Smith, former or fellow Alabama receiver, and they talked about the explosiveness, playmaking ability, and much more. But there was one other point here I wanted to point to here. The Dolphins, or Chris Greer talks about with the decision to draft Jalen Waddell and the response from people around the league. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're both really good players and, and, and really good kids um, and very competitive Uh just, you know, as we went through it, it's the explosiveness um, that, you know, Waddle gives you, as well as the return game, um, as Ryan mentioned. And for us, that's that dynamic trait. And um, you can only imagine the, the text Brian and I got from people <laughs> talking about what a great pick and explosive and how this guy is, you know, you guys saw all the comparisons. But for us, it was getting to know the kid. Um, and we were really, really happy and knowing how competitive and tough, but it's just, they're both really good players. Devonta is going to be a really good player in this league. Uh, for us, it was the explosive playmaking ability and the return ability for us that we uh, really liked. 
as we have talked about many, many times on this podcast, the four down player of Jalen Waddle, the electricity he brings to an offense, the chance to cut some of those 12 play drives and turn them into five or six play drives, all about explosivity and speed. And Jalen Waddle has both of those in spades. Up next here, a really great question I thought from Omar Kelly of the Sun Sentinel, South Florida Sun Sentinel, talking about positional value and going edge at number 18 with running backs on the board and how the Dolphins valued that. Here's Chris Greer talking about making the decision between Jalen Phillips and the running back class because a certain player, number 18, Jalen Phillips, was the number one player on the Dolphins board. Yeah, you know, Brian and I and the coaches and the scouts, again, we, we do a lot of work <laughs> pre-draft, a lot of calls, information, and mock drafts going through our own stuff, looking at it. And yeah, we were, we thought that could happen, but you know, for us, Jalen was, you know, the best player on our board at that point. And so uh, like Brian said, you can never have enough pass rush, and we all felt that way. Um, so for us, um, we were tremendously excited that uh, Jalen was there. And we didn't think he would be there, and uh, we are happy to get him. Number one player on the board, didn't think he would be there. That would explain why the Dolphins ran the card up there. And big kudos to Chris Greer and Brian Flores for getting those cards turned in quickly and making the night go by faster. That's like the biggest low-key win of this whole thing is quick turning of the card and, and speed up this draft process a little bit so we're not out there for five hours watching this thing. So really cool to see that. That was the case as well with Jalen Waddle when they turned the card in very quickly. So both these players, they obviously had conviction in. And of course, as you heard Chris Greer there say, Brian Flores had earlier... in in response to a question, you can never have enough pass rushers. We have two more here. One talking about Jalen Waddell and his potential role. Here's Brian Flores talking about what role the number six pick in the draft, Jalen Waddell, could have on this Dolphins offense this season. Uh, I mean, his, his role is going to be what he makes it uh, based off of um, all the film we've seen. And, uh, you know, we think he'll, he'll fit uh, inside or outside. Um, I think uh, he'll add a speed element. And um, obviously, he has some some value in the return game. So, I think I think you know his versatility is a big big uh, part of this. His ability to play inside, to play in the slot, to play on the perimeter, uh, to play in a return game. Um, you know, we, we uh, again we we're, we're very very excited to have him uh, or both Jalen's to be honest with you, and um, and uh, we're excited. Talked a lot about speed there in that answer. And of course, again, for the 8 millionth time, that is what Jalen Waddle brings in spades. But he also brings the element of being a great teammate. There's some great stories I covered on the podcast on Thursday night talking about the level of teammate and competitor that he is. And here is Coach talking about how important it is to be a great teammate and what they saw from Jalen Waddle in that department. I mean, I would say the talent is the first thing we're looking at. And I think that's that stood out. Uh, but you know, for sure, I mean, he, he talked about you know, being a teammate and how important that was. Um, we talked about you know, the camaraderie that, that um, you know, he and, and both you know, Jalen and Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle both talked about the camaraderie and how important that is. So obviously that's important to us. And But you know, as players, I mean, these guys, that's what stood out first. And I really wanted to play that last clip there from Coach because you're going to hear from Jalen Waddle here at the end of his press conference and you're going to see genuine joy and excitement for the level of pride he feels for being a great teammate with his Alabama teammates. Let's go ahead and get now to Jalen Waddle and his press conference from Thursday night. And speaking of love of the game, Waddle was asked about how important it was to him to try to showcase his toughness and ability to come back from the injury and, and what the game meant to him in that national championship game. But for him, 
it was all about just playing football. Well, honestly, I just played because uh, I love to play the game. Um, so I wasn't really thinking on how I came off to anyone or anything like that. Um, they never really uh, spoke about it or anything like that. How about the chemistry he had with Tua Tungavailoa and how that might carry over into his rookie season here with his former quarterback and now his new teammate and quarterback here in Miami? I mean, it's there for sure. He definitely uh, needs to improve and something that we're going to try to improve on. So um, it's good to, you know, be familiar with him, but um, I'm going, I'm coming to work and I know he is too. So just getting it down and, and just going back and having at it um, day by day, just trying to build it and build it more. I love how he talked about it's definitely there. Acknowledge the fact that the chemistry is there, but we have to work and get better. That's the message of this team. Jalen Waddle already has that down. And those workout videos you see from two on Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is, you're going to be seeing plenty of those with these two guys. I'm sure they're going to get to work probably tomorrow. They'll probably be out there throwing the football around tomorrow. One more thing here for Jalen Waddle. I talked about it with Brian Flores and the mention of how good, uh, how good of a teammate he is and how important it is to him. Here he is talking about his Alabama teammates. One of the reporters broke the news to him that uh, Devontae Smith had gone number 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles. And his, here is Jalen reacting and talking about his teammates. He teared up a little bit. Man, so it's just, you know, tremendous. It's a lot of emotion. I almost seem to, like, tear up. And Smith is not, like, a real emotional guy, so... But it's like a, a special moment. You just share with your brother, um, Pat, um, Smitty, Mac, Baltimore. It, it's something special. So it just makes the moment even more special and even more emotional. I thought that was a great answer, the best answer of the entire night. I love when these guys show emotion. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off for Jalen Phillips before we get to the picks from Friday evening for the Miami Dolphins. Here's Phillips, his first question, talking about the experience of coming back to Miami and how it feels. Man, words can't even describe how I feel right now. I mean, it's literally like an out-of-body experience. Um, but, you know, I'm just so grateful uh, for Miami as a city. Uh, you know, they, they embraced me when I came into the U, uh, and they've supported me for the last two years of my journey. Uh, and so there's no place I'd rather be, man. Back to the 305. <laughs> this is crazy, man. And, of course, Jalen Phillips' career was nearly cut short by retirement with some concussion problems he had in college. He addressed that on the press conference here, and you're going to hear him talk about how crazy it is coming back to Miami quite a bit. But here he is talking about what drove him to get back onto the football field and into this position, a first-round draft pick in the NFL. Man, all I can say about that is perseverance, man. I, uh, you know, there was, there was good days, there was bad days, but at the end of the day, man, I kept my faith. I stayed humble and I worked hard uh, and I had great people around me to support me and carry me through this process. So it's been surreal. I mean, these, these last two years of my life, like so much has changed uh, and I'm just so blessed to be in this position that I am right now uh, and so thankful for everybody who's helped me along the way. There was a question here in the middle of this between this one and the next one we're going to play for you guys where he was asked about his relationship and meeting Coach Flores and, and what he thought about Coach Flores. And he said he seems like a very genuine guy. And the reason I wanted to mention that was because we've heard that so many times. So for him to say that after his initial meeting with Coach Flores, I thought that really just carried a bunch of weight and was very interesting. He also talked about how he just moved all of his stuff from Coral Gables here in Florida back to L.A. And now he's got to move back to the South Florida area. But he also also had this great quote that he mentions he tweets a lot about kind of the journey he's taken the circuitous route now to the NFL about how Los Angeles made him but the 305 here in Miami saved him yeah I, I never made it out to a Dolphins game but you know I've said it before in a tweet man like Los Angeles made me but Miami saved me uh, and so I really uh, I owe a lot to this city uh, and I'm so excited to be able to come back and be able to play here for you know as long as I can 
I talked about Coach Flo getting that genuine moniker and how accurate and how that's kind of played out over the course of his time here. Uh, Jalen was asked about what he can bring to the Dolphins, what he's going to be to this Miami Dolphins football team. And he talked a lot of these same kind of phrases that Coach Flores speaks in talking about his servitude to the football team. Uh, man, my tenacity and my hard work, that's something I can really hang my hat on, man. I'm going to come in day one uh, and just like do the most that I can for the team, man. Just come in, you know, be a humble servant. Uh, really come in, just ready to soak up everything, be a sponge uh, and just put my head down to work, man. I want to earn the respect of my teammates and my coaches first and foremost. So man, I'm just excited for this opportunity. It's crazy. Sounds like a Miami Dolphin already. And you heard him there again at the very end say that's crazy. And then he acknowledged the fact that he said it's crazy several times. Very excited to be here. Let's go ahead and finish up here before we get to our player breakdowns from night two, rounds two and three, your next newest Miami Dolphins. He talked about going from Coral Gables back to Los Angeles. Here he is talking about being familiar with South Florida and where he's looking around this time. I mean, I definitely want to be close to the facility. So, you know, the, the Hard Rock facility is going to be open pretty soon. So, you know, anywhere I can be close up in North Miami. So, you know, Weston, Davey, uh, even Fort Lauderdale, maybe just, you know, I know my way around there a little bit. You know, I spent some time up north. You know, I, I was down in Coral Gables for the most part, but uh, I definitely spent some time up north. So, uh, you know, wherever the team recommends that, you know, I should stay and uh, really just kind of being close to the facility, being able to get that vibe and, uh, and really kind of acclimate. Yeah, what a perfect answer that was once again, talking about being in a position where he can just work his hardest and work his best and become his best. Great media there from your newest Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores and Chris Greer. We're going to break down the newest players here for your Miami Dolphins, starting off first here with the Dolphins' first pick on Friday night. And with the 36th pick in the draft, the Dolphins select Javon Holland, safety slash nickel cornerback out of Oregon. And I was a little bit bummed at first because at pick 35, my guy Javante Williams came off the board, but I was quickly revived after that because you guys know I'm a Pac-12 fan, a Washington State alumni, watched a lot of Oregon football games out there and really had this guy in my crosshairs as far as the safety position. We teased it in the Thursday night slash Friday morning podcast, how this guy was one of the top safeties on the board. Javon Holland can flat out play some ball, man. He is actually the first, or I should say the highest drafted ever Canadian-born player. He found his way down to Oakland in the East Bay area and played his high school ball there, but he was a Canadian-born athlete, highest ever drafted, beating out Chase Claypool from uh, last season. But his strengths, the, the biggest strength in this guy's game, just such an instinctive player. And that's that's my jam at safety, man. It's so in line with what Brandon Jones does. And that's my favorite thing to watch, the instincts to recognize some of the keys or the tells before the snap of what the offensive line's doing or the motion and what that means or how the alignment of the receivers and tight ends are stacked or bunched or how they're spaced out. This guy sees it and hits it and comes downhill flying like a bat out of hell. And you really see him react and anticipate as well as anybody in this class and maybe even the most. And when he pulls that trigger and gets going downhill in a hurry, there is some violent, violent collisions that he hits as a result. There was a quote available on him where they asked him about his nine career interceptions there at Oregon. More on that here in just a moment. And he said that's what everyone wants to talk about, but he wants to talk about tackling and he squares it up wraps it up and he drives ball carriers to the turf and speaking of those nine interceptions how about the ball skills his ball tracking and his instincts to get over the top he looks like a center filler sometimes in baseball he's rangy and he plays faster than his 4 4 6 40 time because of the instincts he finds the football as well as anybody in this class in 27 career games nine interceptions 10 more passes defense so 19 plays on the football in 27 games at a position where 
you're not getting targeted nearly as much as an outside cornerback does, probably three or four a game tops, and one of those balls he's getting a hand on or intercepting in an even better fashion. So this guy finds the football, and Chris Greer and Brian Flores both talked about adding playmakers at their initial presser back around senior bowl time, maybe in February, I forget when it was, but they talked about adding playmakers on the offensive and defensive side, and this Dolphins team led the National Football League last year in takeaways, and they just got another one of the best players in that category in this entire draft. And I think that's really what Holland is, a playmaker, a ball hawk, an instinctive player that works hard and can fly all over the football field because of his preparation skills. Daniel Jeremiah called him an immediate starter, but you've got Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, and Brandon Jones, who are all really good players in that safety position. Don't get me wrong. I have raved about those three guys for the better part of over a year now, but just three interceptions among them last year. Holland gives you a ball hawk of the first degree, and Mario Cristobal, the head coach out there at Oregon, actually said that he thought Holland was a better receiver, which speaks to his ball skills. I asked Javon about this in his press conference. We'll hear about that on tomorrow's Drive Time podcast. And he said, yeah, he was a high school receiver and a punt returner who did all that stuff too. So a playmaker with the ball in his hands, and he gets it in his hands a whole heck of a lot. I mentioned the sound tackling. Man, he can really break down in space and work both shifty and big backs to the ground in that space. And he will miss a few here and there because he goes in for the kill shot. But he also registers some of the biggest, most violent hits you'll see at the college level. And the versatility he offers, over 800 snaps in the slot, 300 as a free safety, and 300 more inside the box. He'll also come down and blitz off the edge. Remember Rashad Jones blitzing that strong side C-gap off the edge or coming down off the weak side edge to hit the back before he gets to the line of scrimmage in those short yardage situations? That's what Holland does. He's also, speaking of Rashad Jones, very much an alpha type, a temperature changer. You guys heard me talk about James Derwin in this sense, in this category a couple of years ago, and I absolutely fell in love with his game. That's kind of what Holland is in terms of the way you watch him play, the temperature or the, just the fire that he brings and the energy he brings to a defense. He's an outspoken leader who's a traffic cop and not afraid to speak his mind. I think this kid has future captain potential in the way he communicates and the way that he just conducts himself. We know how important that social impact committee has been for this organization and so many of the players that are part of it here in Miami. Holland is on record as speaking out against social injustices as well. And of course, I always support and appreciate athletes that use their platform for positive change. So he fits in that way culturally as well. The kid works his butt off. There's a great story about him. Uh, I believe it was 247.com when he first got signed to Oregon. And he talked about, as a child, he didn't understand that other kids and other you know middle schoolers and high schoolers didn't have to do 100 push-ups every day. They had rules in their house about get your schoolwork done and get your workouts in. Those are the most important things uh, that we... That, and get your chores done around the house, too. Those are the most important tent poles growing up. I asked him about that, and he just said, yeah, that, that work ethic really kind of helped get me to this position. And the sacrifices I made as a young person, he, they talked about how he would choose you know, staying home to, to work or to do whatever rather than going out and partying. And he said that contributed big way to this position or big time and to getting him into this position that he's in now. So a really cool, a cool kid that has, you know, breathing potential. And you talk about the fit in this defense. I mean, how many times have we talked about the importance of defensive backs in this defense? I mean, only six teams in the NFL last year ran more six defensive back packages or six or more. So six, seven or eight DBs in the field. Only six teams ran that more than Miami. So you really need nine or 10 active defensive backs every Sunday. And you can expect at least six or seven. And that's probably on the low end, probably more seven or eight 
that are going to give you significant reps between defense and special teams. And Holland, you know, if you're looking for a, what's the, what's the word here? Satellite from New England, the, the kind of replication of what they had with Flores up there in New England, Patrick Chung comes to mind. So smart, so instinctive, middle of the field traffic cop type. And again, to pair that with Brandon Jones, Miami is set up well here, both for the interim and the long-term at that position, a very important position in this defense with both McCain and Rowe still in the group. And he can also come down and play in the slot and coverage, just like the other guys in this group. So Miami is really loaded here to match up with all different types of receivers on a game-to-game basis. You have to imagine Flores and Boyer look at those Week 17 results last year, and even what Buffalo did in Week 2 on offense in Miami as well in that game, and think we just have to be able to to be deep, to have the horses to keep up with all those weapons those guys have, our division rival and defending AFC East champion. You have to be able to beat those guys to get to the top of the mountain. So kind of matching what they have offensively, they run 12 personnel packages. That's four receivers more than anybody else in the National Football League. So again, let's go Buffalo, bring it on. So I look at the roster and think about the insane competition about to happen inside its slot. Justin Coleman, Nick Needham, Noah Igbenogany, Jones can play there, and now Javon Holland. What a loaded secondary Flores has put together. And before you worry about potential fits and who might get the playing time, can't we just trust what this team has done defensively under Brian Flores to go from the 32nd ranked scoring defense to the number six ranked defense, and really they dropped five spots in the final week of the season. A man that won games with this Dolphins team because of strong defensive efforts, because of the vision of driving the defensive back or the defensive backs being the driving force of your scheme. I mean, we've seen it work here time and time again with this Dolphins defense last year. That's all I'm saying. Just put the faith in Javon Holland and this Dolphins defensive back room because they drive this defense and they are great. They're deep. They are loaded. They are talented. Six foot one, 207 pounds, one of only four players with nine or more picks in those two seasons in 2018 and 2019 in all of college football. The run stops cranked way up when he started playing more inside the box in 2019. 24 run stops compared to six as a freshman. He had five pressures on just 14 pass rush reps. And we mentioned the ball skills, just three touchdowns allowed compared to nine interceptions. The 4-4-6 40-yard dash. Most safeties run in the 4-5 range, but he was sub 4-5. That comes in at the 80th percentile. He has a very good bench press profile. Strong kid, 19 bench press reps. That was 90th percentile. 36-inch vertical and a nice 4.14 shuttle run. Daniel Jeremiah had this to say, Javon Holland has an ideal blend of size, fluidity, and ball skills. He has the athleticism to range over the top, but he is at his best when patrolling underneath. He has the agility to mirror in the slot or match up with tight ends. He is quick to the alley and has some snap as a tackler. He has excellent ball awareness and dependable hands. Overall, Holland has the skills set to fit in any scheme and should be an immediate starter. So an instinctive player at age 21. He just turned 21 last month. Another very young, talented, high upside kid here with the Miami Dolphins with great, great instincts. The Dolphins were not done quickly after that at all. Six picks later, Miami comes back up, and they traded up with the New York Giants at pick 42 to select offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, Liam Eichenberg. The Dolphins sent their own third-round draft pick in 2022 to go up from 50 to 42. So consider what Chris Greer did with the third pick in the draft this year. And I know Miami got back the Niners compensatory pick, which will be in the 100s next year compared to a third round pick that probably figures to come in around the 90s somewhere. I mean, I think this is going to be a really good football team next year. So I would project that pick is going to be late in that playoff lounge. Playoff lounge? Playoff range, I meant to say. 
but the Dolphins went up from 42 or from 50 rather to 42 in exchange for that future third round draft pick. So Miami from the third pick in this year's draft wind up getting Jalen Waddle, Liam Eikenberg and a first round draft pick in 2023. So not bad, not bad at all. That's what Chris Greer has made of the third pick in this draft as the sun never sets on the Laramie Tunsil trade. As far as Liam Eikenberg's game, the very first strength you notice in Eichenberg's game, and it stands out right away, the technique. He started getting into his punch, his technique, getting into vertical sets and all that fun football jargon that you know I love in his uh, first press conference with the South Florida media. So I'll certainly enjoy that in the future. But this guy is just so well coached at that obviously prestigious offensive line program there and run game and everything they do on the offensive line at Notre Dame. He's so sound in the way he times his strike and doesn't really take the cheese with all the noise pass rushers throw at you with the hands and with the bluffs and all that fun stuff. They want to draw that punch out of you so they can get you leaning out over your skis. He is so disciplined to not throw that punch until he's technically sound and has his feet underneath him. And that's really in line with his mechanical makeup as well. The synergy between his feet and the rest of his body it's, it's there for him. You watch him drop that anchor and widen the base upon contact as he kind of squares up and gets himself in the best position to establish leverage and win the rep that way and thwart those power moves. The run game and angles and zone prowess, we saw that throughout his career at Notre Dame. I think he's pretty scheme diverse, but when you watch him work to the second level, he's often in prime position to wall off and hit those blocks that can turn those six-yard runs into 30-yard runs, explosive plays at that second level, or at least produce the opportunity for the back to make someone miss in that second level for a potential big gainer. His durability, Guy played all 38 games of his career at left tackle for the Fighting Irish, a program that has produced quality NFL offensive linemen year in, and year out. He's not athletically the same as a Ronnie Stanley or a Zach Martin, but he's a tough dude that fits in line with the toughness, the smart, competitive type of player that Brian Flores loves here in Miami. His football IQ, and you'll hear this again on the uh, day three recap edition of the Drive Time podcast here, the, the draft focus as we carry on here into the weekend on Drive Time, but you'll hear this at his media press conference availability, the first one he did with the Miami Dolphins, where he credited having a mobile quarterback in Ian Book as the reason he didn't allow a sack in two years there at Notre Dame. You heard that right. No sacks in two years at Notre Dame, 33 straight games going back to his freshman year in college without allowing a sack on his quarterback. You know how that happens besides a couple other factors, obviously, but effectively communicating and passing off games up front, stunts, twists, and slants. He's so sharp in finding work and recognizing those slants and where the possible scraper or looper might come off the backside because you're going to have a, a defensive end crash inside and then you have the interior linebacker or defensive tackle loop around the outside and try to fool the offensive tackle to get a soft edge and run that route to the quarterback. He finds those and punishes those guys so often. And speaking of punishing, I clipped off so many cool reps last year of Solomon Kinley punishing jumpers where guys try to jump up and bat the football down at the line where you then put them on their back and finish them with that mean streak. He fits in that way big, big time. Speaking of fit, that'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff wants to do, but 
Liam actually mentioned this as well at his presser. He worked out with Lemuel Jean-Pierre, new Dolphins offensive line coach, at his pro day and mentioned there was some good rapport there. But now with DJ Fluker and Robert Hunt coming back as an incumbent and Jesse Davis as well, and now the newcomer and Liam Eichenberg, there's some really good competition this year on the offensive line. I would say that Austin Jackson and Solomon Kinley are pretty safe bets on the left side of the offensive line. I'd say that Matt Skura is the center right now at least, and Robert Hunt will have a spot along the fo- uh, along the front five, but I'm not ready to commit to where that might be So, because no one knows. I mean, co- Coach will tell us in August, right? Who, who cares? We'll find out in August when they put this football team together. So you really have three or four really, really capable linemen competing for one spot on the offensive line there. And Coach Flores mentioned this so many times before that the offensive line, it's not about five individuals. It's about one cohesive unit. And did you guys see that tweet I sent out earlier this week regarding Daniel Jeremiah's take on offensive line play, where he said that around the league, the feeling is becoming that your worst player on the offensive line is more important than your best player on the offensive line because more sacks are surrendered than are actually earned. And I think that you look at what Liam Eichenberg, everything I'm reading about this guy online as far as the experts say is that he's a high floor player. We'll come back to that here in just one second, but let's go ahead and continue this schematically. I I don't know what that looks like right now. Again, like I don't know who the starters are, but this is a bit of a curveball from the prototype standpoint because he's not the plus-plus athlete like an Austin Jackson. He's a little bit light compared to what they've done as far as Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt and DJ Fluker, obviously. But how can you do anything but defer to the experts with regards to the scheme? So I'm not going to discuss that. I imagine they'll remain versatile and that Eichenberg is equipped to play in any scheme on an offensive line, a plug-and-play day one type of guy. Speaking of that, the stats, the 38 straight starts there at Notre Dame, a team captain, obviously, allowed no sacks in two seasons and just four QB hits over that same time span, and only 41 career pressures allowed on 2,618 snaps, all at left tackle, every single snap of every single game. A ton of experience this guy offers, 90th percentile or better in run block and pass block grades on PFF, and also in the 80th percentile or better in both zone and gap grade in run blocking. His measurements, 33 bench press reps, that was his best trait. That was in the 95th percentile among offensive tackles. He also had a 4.58 shuttle time. That was in the 82nd percentile. So showing off some of the ankle flexion and some of the pop in the hips to make those quick turns around those cones in that drill, around the the shuttle in that drill. His three cone time, speaking of the cones, was in the 78th percentile at 7.53 seconds. So again, there's some pop and some explosiveness there. Daniel Jeremiah, Pro Football Focus. Every publication I read, Dane Brugler has this guy as the highest floor player in the draft. PFF called him a well-oiled machine with his technique, ready to contribute on day one, and his feet and pass sets are as crisp as you'll find in college football. A couple more notes from his presser that he did on Friday night. There's a story about him getting his eye hit inside the face mask during a game, and his eye actually swelled up shut in a game, and he played the rest of the game with just one eye. I asked him about that in his press conference, and he said, I had to help the team win. That's all there is to it, and just basically moved on from there. He also was asked about if he knew some, or he, he mentioned it at the opening of the presser that he knew some Miami Dolphins. So somebody followed up and asked him, obviously Durham Smythe from Notre Dame, but also said that he met Austin Jackson when they worked out in Phoenix, I believe. I don't know when that was, but they worked out in Phoenix previously where Austin Jackson's from. And he talked about how 
he has learned about the Dolphins culture from those guys and how everybody on the team is just concerned with helping the team win football games like he mentioned in the eye swollen shut story there. So he fits right in line as far as he only cares about what the team wants. He even said in the press conference, I'll play center if they want me to play center. I don't care where they want to put me. I'll play anywhere. So of course, somebody followed up and said, have you played center? And he said, no, I never have. So no experience there, but I think he's versatile enough to do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, Pro Football Focus also said he might be more of a guard, so he can play guard or tackle. We'll find out what his prognosis is as far as position come August. Brian Kelly said that he was a at the right tackle position. You can plug and play him and play right away in the NFL because of his consistency and because he's going to be out there every single day as he was at Notre Dame. So Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle slash offensive guard slash offensive lineman, the pick at number 42. So Eichenberg and... Javon Holland here on night two to go with Jalen Waddell and along there with Jalen Phillips on the first night. Brett Coleman, who did that great Jalen Phillips breakdown the other night, uh, or that I shared on, on Twitter from YouTube, he said after the Javon Holland draft pick, the Dolphins are absolutely killing it. Have a draft Chris Greer with those picks and now Eichenberg to solidify the offensive line. And now you've got probably seven or eight guys competing for that offensive line spot up front. So Miami top four players are in. Let's go ahead and get now to our fifth player of the night in the third round pick number 81. Your Miami Dolphins select Hunter Long tight end out of Boston College. We just finished up his media before I recorded this and he told us about how he builds computers in his spare time, has a computer science degree and also can solve a Rubik's Cube in 47 seconds. So interesting dude. As far as his on-field product goes, uh, obviously Boston College product that Brian Flores was pretty Pretty complimentary about in his post-draft presser on Friday evening, kind of joking about the qualities of a Boston College player. But as far as his on-field product, height-weight-speed combo is his first strength I wrote down here. He's a fluid athlete that can stay on balance through contact and reroutes and get through those jams with a smooth break at the top of his routes. Really a fluid athlete that way and runner that way. He's got very, very strong and reliable hands. He catches the football away from his frame and he maintains those solid hands from all different types of ball tracking or platform or contact with the ground or the defender. And he tends to give the quarterback a nice window to work with with that radius and size combination that he features there at six foot five, 253 pounds. He's got multiple uses in the running game as well. I like that for a strength for him. He's a try-hard blocker who can operate and function from H the H-back position in line as a fullback all over the formation, lead up in there and get some blocks that way, seal the edge for you as well. And that versatility was kind of bred into him because he went from Steve Adazio's power run game you might recall A.J. Dillon there at Boston College, about a 400-pound running back and all muscle, and they just ran the ball over everybody and down their throat. Then he goes this year to Frank Signetti to a more open passing style attack where he lines up in line and detached as well. And the final strength that I wrote down here is his intelligence. This comes from Dane Brugler. Just talking to the guy right now, I kind of feel the same way. Builds computers, Rubik's Cube, and just the way he, he conducts himself. But Dane Brugler said that his intelligence and strong football character will go a long way with clubs. We know how important it is to Brian Flores and Chris Greer here in Miami. As far as his fit, both Adam Shaheen, Durham Smythe, and actually Mike Gesicki for that matter, you know, he's more of he's more in the mold of a Shaheen and Smythe as far as an inline classic tight end, an inline classic Y tight end, and Gesicki for that matter as well. All three of those players have expiring contracts at the end of the season. So Hunter Long gives you some long-term assurance at the position. Now, as far as how he fits. I think he immediately challenges for work in 13 personnel packages. When you pull 13 or three tight ends onto the field, not 13, that wouldn't work. You'd get flagged for that. And even some 12 personnel packages as well. I think he's the second most polished pass catcher in the room now and doesn't lose a whole lot of ground as a blocker compared to Smith, Smythe and Shaheen. 
So again, six foot five, 253 pounds. He led all FBS tight ends with 57 catches last year, caught 89 balls for 1,297 yards and nine career touchdowns. And he averaged 14.6 yards per catch. So a big playmaker there at the tight end position. Just four drop passes on 101 catchable targets over the last two seasons. 1,433 career snaps. And 1,114 of those came in line. That's 78% working in line. So remember, Mike Gesicki plays in line less than 20% of the time. So again, Smythe and Shaheen mold is where this guy's more, more in that mold. But he also... Offers a little more as a pass catcher, I think. So his receiving grade and yards per route run on pro football focus were both in the 80th percentile or better last year in college football among tight ends. 1.74 yards per route run had an 83.2 pass receiving grade. He caught 19 of 27 passes in that intermediate range, the 10 to 19 yard range with a pair of touchdowns. A nice red zone option from that position in line at tight end for this Dolphins offense. He had the 31 longest depth of target among tight ends and the 21st most deep yards on passes throwing 20 or more yards down the field. And he tied for 11th in the country in contested, or tied for third rather, in the country in contested catches with 11 of those. He ran a 4.6340, that was 81st percentile, 122-inch broad jump, 87th percentile. So he's got some explosiveness in those legs, 33 and a three-quarter inch arms. I found that interesting. That's closer to a tackle length at that position. And Pro Football Focus wrote there's very few holes in his game. They mentioned not a not a ton of athletic upside, but they mentioned a high floor player here. And Dane Brugler wrote functional blocker and smooth pass catcher and compared him to Austin Hooper. So that's your day two. We come away with a tight end, Hunter Long, a safety in Javon Holland, and a tackle in Liam Eichenberg. And to close out Flores and, and Greer's presser at the end of the night, we got, you know, he joked about the Golden Eagle thing and the tough, smart, physical team first players. And that was kind of preluding to a, a fun back and forth where he was mentioned by Safa Dean of the South Florida Sun Sentinel, who complimented his drip from night one, the suit game. And coach jokingly told Safa to set up the fashion show runway walk-off. So I guess we all have that to look forward to. All right, let's do a quick speed round here and get through my favorite players remaining on day three, the final day of the draft. Always a bit of a somber one as Saturday brings the month of April to a close and basically the end of the roster building portion of the calendar. My favorite running backs on the board, Michael Carter out of UNC, still out there. This guy averaged eight yards per carry last year. Love his game. Kenneth Gainwell talked about him on the podcast yesterday, as well as Kylan Hill. Ramondre Stevenson, that big bruising back. He was with the Dolphins at the Senior Bowl, as was Khalil Herbert, and then also Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Big time Big time rusher out here in the Pac-12 with over 200 yards in a couple of games. Tylen Wallace, receivers out of Oklahoma State. Love his game. Big yak guy. Good contested catch guy. Amir Smith-Marset and Josh Emoter-Bebe. A couple of Big Ten receivers there like their games and athletic profiles. On the offensive line, Trey Smith out of Tennessee. Some of the best offensive line tape in 2019. Has some medical concerns though. Deontay Brown, about a 7,000 pound man. He's actually 365, I think, out of Alabama. And Sadarius Hutchinson out of South Carolina. Joe Marino told us about him back on the Offensive Line Preview Podcast. Interior defensive line, Tyler Shelvin out of LSU. At the edge, Dalen Hayes out of Notre Dame. And Jonathan Cooper out of Ohio State. Love his game. He was great in the playoff run for the Buckeyes. William Bradley King and Teron Jackson round out my defensive end names. At linebacker, Dylan Moses was 
one of those guys that had the ACL tear and came back and didn't have the same explosiveness, but he could be, you know, two years removed from that injury, maybe a good fifth round flyer there. Monty Rice out of Georgia. He's a speed hit run linebacker as well. At cornerback, Trey Brown out of Oklahoma and Keith Taylor Jr. out of UW were two of the big stars of the Senior Bowl week. And at safety, I love, love, love Tyree Gillespie. I like Jamar Johnson as well as Damar Hamlin out of Pittsburgh too. So those are your names for day three. I'm sure I'm going to whiff on all those. Three more picks to come in the fifth and two more in the seventh. And so with that, that concludes our day two coverage here of the NFL draft in 2021. Your Miami Dolphins have added five players to the roster. We're going to come back and do it all over again tomorrow. One pick in the fifth round, two picks in the seventh round. We'll go ahead and cover today's media on that podcast as well and then cover up the entire pro- the entire draft in that third day uh, podcast and get you guys all the latest and greatest updates on this Dolphins football team and their roster as we head in to the summer months and that's that's about it for the uh the off season there so the roster building portion of the season just about over mini camps and training camp coming up here shortly schedule release next month all exciting times as the 2021 season moves closer and closer as for this edition of the drive time podcast that's going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl you can follow the team at miami dolphins and check out the audible and the fish tank podcast as well as miamidolphins.com until next time fins up